We are going to be talking today, you know, faith, and we talk about faith, hope, and love. You know, those three things endure, amen. And uh, we, we sometimes uh, can, can get caught up trying to decide, is it hope or faith? And we start looking at things. But we're just going to talk today a little bit about our expectations and, and just track with me a little bit here. My, uh, my older brother had uh, asked a girl, uh, he was, I don't know how old he was, probably like a senior in high school. He'd ask a girl from our youth group out on a date. And uh, when uh, he went, he drove over to pick her up. And uh, when uh, she opened the door, she was standing there uh, in, a, in a bathrobe. And she had curlers in her hair. And, and she had something on her face. I don't, rem- I don't remember exactly what. But, and, and she went, <gasps> And you can imagine how my brother felt. And then she laughed, and she goes, I'm just kidding. And the curlers were just barely stuck in her hair. And she pulled the robe off, and she was all dressed and ready to go. And she went, and off she went. But you can imagine my brother's expectation when he got there and what happened when he uh, saw what was standing in the doorway. You know, God... God wants us to know him and to walk with him. You know, we were just singing about God's power. I, I, I love that. You know, our, our foundation is Jesus Christ. Paul said, though, he said this. He said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Why does he want the power? Well, you know, electricity is a really great thing. But if you go in my, in my house, if I go down to the basement to my breaker box, and there's two big switches at the top, if I flip both of those off, um, then I get to enjoy life without power. It's less good, okay? The, 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 the microwave no longer works. The coffee pot no longer works. And that is a real tragedy. <laughs> that is more of a tragedy than you would understand for Pastor Mark and I. But anyway, um, uh, you know... I remember when I lived in Tulsa and we had an ice storm and I went five days without electricity. My house got very cold. It was wintertime. And my fish in my aquarium died. And uh, yeah, there were, there were no lights. I mean, daylight. There was daylight, but there were no lights. And, and, you know, after a while, you just start getting really, really irritated because you can't do anything. You can't fix anything, you can't make anything work, and, and, you know, life can be very frustrating if we're not walking in power, and we're not making things happen. You know, if, if you walk into church, and you leave here the same way you came in, something's not right, all right? Jesus said in, in, in Acts, he said, he said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. And he went on and on. But, but, but that isn't the only thing that happens, okay? We're, we're supposed to be walking in his power. Well, the first step is to get saved, right? The first step is just to receive him. And, you know, that sounds like, what does that mean? Well, you know, if you don't know, that means that you ask him into your life. Well, that's very simple, all right? And then you start that walk. Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know his power. He didn't want to just know him. 
because you know I I I know my wife. You know I I met her. We know each other's. You know when we met, we knew each other's names, right? And and we started talking. But 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 there's power in that relationship now because we really know each other. We've been married for ten years, and uh, you know there's there's you know when when we we decide we're going to accomplish something, things happen, all right? Well, think how much more that's true with our relationship with God. But, but Paul, you know, he, he was just encouraging people, like, forget about everything else. Just get to know God and get to know his power. Well, we don't do that necessarily. A lot of people, I mean, I grew up in a denomination where we never talked about his power. I, I went to a church for a whole year and, and the, uh, the, the pastor, a wonderful man, loved God with all of his heart. He had been a, a, a Baptist evangelist for all of his life. Now he was retired, semi-retired, took this little church on, this little country church on. And, and I attended there every week. He got up and told us how to get saved. Well, that's wonderful. It's great to get saved. All 60 people in the room probably were already saved. But he told us how to get saved anyway because that's what he knew, Right? Well, there's a whole lot more to God than just how to get saved, all right? Now, that's the most important thing. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But, but there's a whole lot more there. Have you ever looked at your Bible? There's a whole lot more in there than just how to receive a relationship with God, how to start a relationship with God. But you've got to start somewhere. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? So, receiving Jesus is the first step. And, uh, you know, we want to know him. Amen? You know, I, I think... Uh, turn over to Matthew chapter 28. We know this, uh, the end of Matthew 28, come unto me. But we're going to go to a spot right before that. Matthew 28, we're talking about expectations here. Jesus, in this passage, is talking about getting to know God. And in Matthew 28, verse, starting with verse 27, he says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills or chooses to reveal him. Do you understand that Jesus is ready to reveal the Father to you? He can't wait to reveal the Father to you. He is excited about revealing the Father to you, but you've got to want that, all right? You know, I, I know people, they got saved, they think that's good enough, I'm good, I'm good, but they got no power, all right? There's no power in their lives. There's nothing changing in their lives. They're just trying to survive, and, and, and you hear people say it, you know, well, I just want to endure to the end. Okay, good. Yeah, no, we're supposed to endure to the end. There's not, that's not wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? But, but that isn't, you know, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life abundantly. He wasn't talking about heaven. If you look at that passage, he was talking about life on earth. He, he wanted you to have electricity in your house, okay? You know, those switches are off. You got no power. Life's a little tougher. But he, wanted, he didn't want life to be tough for you. But keep going in that passage. Uh, and to anyone whom the Son wills to reveal him, then it says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Boy, look around you. Look at the world right now. Everybody I know is weary and heavy laden. And, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke upon you and learn. Do you see that? Learn from me, and actually a better translation is learn of me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, God's not trying to pile too much on you, but he does want you to learn from him. He wants you to learn of him, because as you learn of him, you're going to start being more like him. And as you get more like him, you're going to start having more abundant life, because that's why he came. He came to bring that to you. He came to, to deliver that to you. You know, but as children of God, look, turn over to 1 John chapter 3. This is, you know, John understood the love of Jesus. He truly understood and walked in the love of Jesus. And, and, and that love is not mamby-pamby. That love is not weak. That love is powerful. That love is strong. That love changes things, all right? But 1 John chapter 3, starting with verse 1, it says this. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called the children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself, just as he is pure. You know, as children of God, track with me on this. As children of God and sons and daughters of God, we are learning of him. We're growing in him. But we're kind of in an, <clears throat> we're kind of in an in-between place. We receive Jesus into our lives, and now the world doesn't understand that. So we're in between. The world doesn't understand us. And what that end of that said is we will be like him. Okay? We're in that in-between place. Well, how do we make that work? How does that fit? Well, Jesus said uh, an interesting thing, and you can turn over there too. Uh, you, you can turn over to John chapter 14. But Jesus said an interesting thing there. He started out by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Well, understand this is something Jesus said right before he went and died on the cross, which was probably going to be the most troubling thing that ever happened to anybody in that room that he said that to. But he still said, are you ready? Don't let your heart be troubled. Should we be troubled by what's going on in the world politically? No. no. How about all of the conversation about gender in our world? Should we be troubled by that? Well, that's very troubling, Pastor Dave. I don't know what you mean. We shouldn't be troubled by that. That's very, all this stuff is very troubling. Well, is it? Is it? Is it? Just asking. I, I heard on the news this morning, polio's back. And 6% and, uh, of our population, or 6% of the children population are not vaccinated. Should we be troubled by that? No, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, does that mean we don't do anything about anything? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that, okay, at this point, are we supposed to be troubled? Well, let's keep reading there. John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I want you to just stop and think about that for a minute. 
There's a whole lot of things in the Word that God tells us. You know what? If it were not so, what God said about himself, what Jesus said about himself, he would have told us. But no, see, what we have to get a hold of, and, and I'm speaking to people who know faith and who know God, who, who most of you have received Jesus into your life, but you know what? We have to realize that what the Bible tells us is absolute truth. And, and if it were not so, he would have told us. But he goes to prepare a place for us. And if it were not so, he would have told you. He came to bring you life. And if it were not so, he would have told you. He came to bring you the Holy Spirit. If it were not so, he would have told you. But we don't look at the word that way. Sometimes, you know, we just casually read it. And I do that too. I mean, I'm not, I'm not criticizing you or me. I'm not. You know, but, but it's not casual. It's absolute truth. And if we could just get a hold of some of that, if we could just start going, no, I believe it. And Jesus said not to let my heart be troubled, so I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. But how many of us walk around with troubled hearts? Sure we do. Lots of times we do. You know, and, 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 and Bud doesn't, so we're good. Okay, so, so you know, our, but here's the deal. We're going to back up and talk about this a little bit. What we expect God to act like isn't necessarily what God acts like. Uh, Psalm 50 uh, there's a verse that says, you thought that I was just like you, but I'm not like you. Well, okay, the more we get to know him and the more we become like him, and when we see him, we will be like him, but between now and then, we're just learning, amen? Jesus said, come unto me and learn from me, all right? What does he want you to learn? He wants you to learn truth. He wants you to learn truth that is backed up by power so that you can stand no matter what happens and not let your heart be troubled, okay? Did you know it's possible to not let your heart be troubled? For those of you who like to worry, I think I was the biggest worrier in the world uh, when I was younger, maybe not, uh, but I worried about everything. But the more I get to know God, the less I even give a thought to stuff like that, all right? But... But did that happen like this? No. Should you beat yourself up because you worry? No. Should you beat yourself up because you feel troubled? No. But here's what you do want to do. You want to get to know him. You want to start walking with him. You know, our expectations get us in trouble. I'll give you some examples. We expect people to drive intelligently. Okay. I expect, I'm just going to put this very personal, so I expect people to, be, to drive intelligently. I must be as dumb as a stump to think that. Now, I'm not trying to be mean, but that's just a really stupid expectation. Think about it. That's really stupid. It is. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm not trying to be mean. You understand that, right? I mean, people, people get distracted. They swerve into your lane. Somebody swerved into my lane and hit me recently. Uh, I, I mean... Okay, we, we expect people to take turns at the grocery store, and if they don't, I, I was at, gosh, where was I? I, I think I was at, I don't know what, what store I was at, it doesn't really matter, and, 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 and there was like racks of clothes on either side here, and the cash register was up here, and there were people walking through there because it was an aisle, and I stepped back in between the racks of clothes, and some lady just walks up 
and cuts right in front of me. And it made me mad because I expect people to take turns. You know what? They don't take turns. Have you ever merged on a road where there was one of the lanes closed? They don't take turns. They go ripping by. And you get frustrated by that. Really? Are we really going to waste a whole bunch of emotion getting frustrated because we have some expectation that people are going to drive intelligently? No, that's really, really not smart of me to do that. But I do that. Don't ask my wife anything about this, okay? <laughs> I mean that. All right. Um, you know, I expect people to dress reasonably. That's stupid. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to be unkind. Do you know what I mean? I went to a store the other day. I, I expect my spouse to think like I think. That's really, really stupid, you guys. Okay, so, you know... Now, so you, you laugh, but it's you laugh because you're like, well, yeah, we all have expectations that are ridiculous, you know? I, I, I tell my wife this. I want her to be her. I want her to be the person that she is. You know, when, when we first met and we were dating, she said to me, uh, I suppose that means I need to get, because I was the children's pastor here back then, she goes, I suppose that means I have to get involved in children's ministry. I was like, oh, stop right there. <laughs> no. You need to do what God tells you to do, and only what God tells you to do. And I've no, I, don't, I don't even want you in children's ministry unless God says you should be in children's ministry. We're not going to run our lives like that. We're not going to run this like that. That's not how this is going. Because I expect her, that's a good expectation, I expect her to be her, okay? But yeah, there's times I, I expect her to think like I think. There's times I expect everyone to think like I think. And, and I have learned that they don't. And, and the world would be a really, really boring place if everybody thought the same way as me. I mean, it would just be boring and predictable and not fun, actually. You know? But, but, but here's the deal. Unreal ex unrealistic expectation lead to frustration and anger. Okay, you know, I, I have, track with me on this, I have absolute control over me and what I do and how I act. And I have absolutely zero control over how you act and how you think. And you know what? God made us that way. Do you understand that? That was his idea, to make us not little robots running around. All right? And, and if you want to get frustrated about how people are, you go ahead, okay? But I'm going to tell you you're going to spend your life frustrated. And, and as most of you know, that's not fun. And what did Jesus say? Do not let your heart be troubled. If you want to bring trouble on yourself, you know what? God will let you. It's all about perspective. It's how we see the world, how we see God, what we know and believe and expect. But our expectations can get us in trouble. But you know what? Good news. Our expectations also can bring us lasting peace beyond understanding if we get them lined up with God's word. Our expectations can make us frustrated beyond words, but our expectations also can work with our faith to move mountains. So what are you going to do? How are you going to keep your expectations in line? I'm going to, you know, uh, in, in Mark chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, it's at the end of Mark chapter 1, a leper came to Jesus. He was 
ignorant of God. He did not understand Jesus. He didn't know any, he knew something about Jesus because he came to him for healing. All right, but he didn't know much about him because he here's what he said to him. He said, If Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He didn't, he had expectations, he had hopes, right? That, that Jesus was going to fix this. He didn't really have any faith. He couldn't have any faith because he didn't know God. Didn't know Jesus. Didn't know what to expect here. So, so, you know, he knew what would happen if he went to the Pharisees because they'd be like, okay, you have leprosy. You can't be around people. You have to go back out of town and get out of here. What are you doing? They would have started throwing rocks at him, right? No, no, no. But, but here's this guy. He comes to Jesus and says, if you are willing... You can make me clean. What did Jesus do? Not necessarily what he expected, right? Because what did Jesus do? The Bible says, he said, first, he said, I am willing, which is what he said to you and me. And then he reached out and touched him. Well, that's not what he expected. I can promise you that. And healed him. See, our expectations have everything to do with how we decide to act. I have a horrible story to tell you. You ready for that? It's seriously, it's seriously possibly the worst story in the Bible of Jephthah in the book of Judges. Jephthah had no knowledge of God. Jephthah had knowledge of the idol worshipers that sacrificed, the, you know, they sacrificed their children to demons. They, he had knowledge of nothing much that had to do with God. He knew of the existence of God. But the Bible says that the Spirit of God came on. I think the Amalekites had conquered Israel. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon him, and he was ready to fight. And he gathered people, and they went. But before he did that, he said to God, now think about this. His expectation was that God was just like the demon idols, but maybe more powerful. So he said, he said to God, he said, I will sacrifice whatever walks out of my house when, I, when this is over if we win. Seriously? I mean, would God want that? No. I mean, are you kidding? What a stupid thing to have done. He was ignorant of God. He didn't know any better. So they went, he, on the, I mean, the spirit of God was on him. I mean, this guy went out, they conquered the Amalekites. Israel was free again. And he goes home and his little girl, his only child, walks out of the front door. And ultimately, yeah, he sacrificed her, yes. So, so, so it's like, wh- wh- what? Why would that story be in the Bible? That story's in the Bible because our expectations get us in trouble too. God wants that story in the Bible. He put that story in the Bible because we do the same thing. Now, I'm not saying we sacrifice our children or anything like that. Don't misunderstand me. What I'm trying to say is that we don't understand who he is, and we act in a way that is consistent with what we think instead of who he is. So we have to learn. We have to get, that's why Jesus said, come unto me and learn from me. Because if you don't come unto me and learn from me, you're going to do it wrong. All right? How many of you have ever done it wrong? You don't have to raise your hands. We've all done it wrong. You guys remember the parable of the talents? It's in Matthew 25. Again, you don't have to go there if you don't want to. But, but just listen, because I'm, I'm going to just kind of go through the story a little bit. But, but, <clears throat> but uh, the, the parable goes like this. The master was going to go out of the country, and he brought three of his uh, servants to himself. And to one of them, he gave five talents, a sum of money. 
okay? He gave the one five talents, and then the next one had, he gave him two talents, and the next one he gave him one talent, and, and the Bible says that he gave them to them according to their ability. So, did servant number one have ability? How about two? How about three? Okay, so we know that they all had ability, and he gave them a sum of money, and so did they have resources? Did one have resources? How about two? How about three? So three, servant number three, we're going to get to him in a minute, he had resources and ability, but he did not know the master. He didn't understand the master. So the first servant went out, he took his five talents, and, and he invested them, and he earned five more talents. And the second one went out. He took his two talents. He invested them, set up a business, made two more talents. So he had four. And the third one took his talent and wrapped it up and buried it in the backyard. You imagine on Shark Tank, you know, Mark, is it Cuban, is that his name? So imagine, you know, that, you know, he's got three investors, and one of them, you know, he gives him a million, and the guy makes five million, and Cuban gets his money and his whatever back, his 20% or whatever he asked for, and, and then the next one, you know, he gives him a million, and he earns two million, and Cuban gets his money back and, and whatever percentage, and the third one comes to him, and he goes, yeah, he goes, he goes, I figured you'd be really mad at me if I lost the money, so here's my mattress. I put it in there. You can understand if you've ever watched Shark Tank. He would not be happy, you know? He, he can get kind of short with people. He can get kind of mean to people. But here's this guy in the Bible. Number three comes to the master. The other two come, and the master is proud of him. He's, good job, way to earn money. Thank you. And, and the, the next guy, the third guy comes along and he goes, well, I know that you are a hard man. You know, there's a lot of people running around who think God's a hard man. You ever see Jesus looking hard? Well, sure, when he talked to the Pharisees, he was. But, you know, the kids ran to him and Mary sat at his feet. And uh, he loved people. And the Bible says, you know, in, in so many places, you know, and everybody who came to him was healed. And he'd preach to him and encourage him. But, but here's, here's servant number three. I know that you are a hard, hard man. So I was afraid. So I took the talent and buried it in the backyard. Here it is. And, and, and the master was like, you didn't even put it, give it to the bankers. At least if you'd have given it to the bankers, there would have been interest on it. You just buried it in the backyard. See, his expectation about how the master was and how the master was going to treat him kept him from functioning like a normal person or a sensible person. See, see, that's what happens, though. Our expectations make us act without good sense. They make us act unreasonably. Hello. You guys with me still? All right. All right. You know, I, I think that as we get knowledge of God, as we start growing in him, you know, God has, uh, God has nothing, nothing but good things for us. You know? Turn over. Are you, where are you guys? 
John, you're in Matthew. Matthew, go back to John 14. God wants us to have knowledge of him. He wants us to know him. And I'll tell you what, as we get to know him, what we're going to find is that just what Jesus said, you know, come and learn from me, for I'm meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, rest from everything that's going on in the world, rest from, from all the struggles in your job and your family and all those things, because we don't have to let our hearts be troubled. In John 14, verse 7, Jesus was talking to just his disciples, and he said, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, <laughs> I love Philip. you got to love this. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe for the works' sake. Truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do... He will do also. You understand that as we get to know him, we're going to start doing his works? You know, we, we see people that are hurting, and, and we think, okay, I don't, I, I don't know what to do about that. I don't know what to say to him. But you know what? As you get to know him, as you walk with him more and more, you know, my wife says all the time, just talk to him. Just talk to him. You know, the Bible, the Bible says that, that, that in, in Revelation 3.20, we know that, uh, behold, I stand at the, Jesus talking, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. He just wants to come and hang out with you. Do you understand that? I mean, that verse, we use that one for salvation. It's not about salvation. It's about getting to know him. It's about having a relationship with him. You know, if I didn't spend any time talking to my wife, we wouldn't have much of a relationship. If I just walked in the house and sat down in front of the TV or sat down with a book, or sat down in front of my computer, we wouldn't have much of a relationship if we didn't ever talk. But we talk all the time. We talk, you know, when we get up in the morning sometimes, and we talk, you know, at, 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 at dinner, and we talk before we go to sleep at night, and sometimes we just sit and talk. Sometimes it's like, you know, do you want to watch something? No, let's just talk. Be because I, I, I like her, okay? <laughs> I love her too, but I like her, and, and I just want to know what's going on in that brain of hers, because there's always stuff going on in that brain of hers. But, but that's why Jesus is like, you know, he wants us to get to know him, but we can get so distracted, you know, oh, the world's such a mess, and everything with, since this COVID thing, and people act all crazy, and the government's so corrupt, and I don't like the way people talk about President Biden, or I don't like the way they talk about Donald Trump, and I'm so upset about everything. Okay. Did he not tell us it would be wacko in the end? <laughs> Didn't he? Right? In the... <laughs> 
If you didn't hear him, he said that's from the Passion Translation. For, for those wa watching, that they, that's not from the Passion Translation, actually. All right. I, I don't want the Passion people writing me a letter. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that. I really don't. You know, Jesus in Matthew 24, he started talking to, uh, he started talking to the disciples. They'd ask him, they, you know, they'd pointed out all the buildings in the temple and how beautiful they were. And, and uh, Jesus said, yeah, uh, give it a little time and there's not going to be one stone sitting on another stone because this is all going to get completely wiped out. And then the disciples were like, well, tell us what, tell us what the signs of the end are going to be. So Jesus started talking to them. And, and, you know, first of all, first of all, listen to this. It's so important. He first thing he says almost is, see to it that no one misleads you. Don't get, don't, don't get distracted by yourself. Don't get distracted by everything going on in the world. Don't, don't get your expectations in some place that makes no sense. No, no, we want our expectations and our beliefs and our thoughts to line up with him. Because as soon as we do that, then we're at peace. It's like, okay, this is what was supposed to happen, so I'm good. All right? But, you know, he, he said, many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And then he says, see to it. Hello. See to it that you are not frightened. Okay? You know, if it were not possible for you to stay in peace, he wouldn't have ever said to do it. If it wasn't possible for you to not be frightened, he wouldn't have told you not to be frightened. But it is possible because he'd be unfair and unjust if he asked us to do something we couldn't do. But you know what? That's not going to happen until you get to know him. That's why Paul said, forget about everything. I just want to know him and the power. Well, there's a reason he said that. See to it that you are not frightened. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And then it says they will deliver you to tribulation. They will kill Christians. It's happening all the time. You go on the... Uh, there's a website that talks about where um, something martyr. Voice of the martyr. Thank you. Talks about where people are getting killed all over the world because of their faith in Jesus, you know? But they're okay. You know, they're with God. And, and is that horrible? Yeah, it's horrible. But it says lawlessness will be increased and most people's love will grow cold, meaning don't let your love grow cold. Hello? Look at your neighbor and say, don't let your love grow cold. <laughs> but the one who endures to the end will be saved. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world. I mean, it goes on and on. But, but, but what Jesus keeps saying is, is you know, more about what is going to happen. But then he says this. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You know, as we base our lives in his word, as we believe what his word says, as we know what he, whatever he said is the truth, and if it were not so, he would have told you, as we learn that that's his truth, as that becomes our expectation, then, then we're good. We can just ride through everything. We know that he's going to be with us. You know, there was a, there was a man, um, his first name was Vanya, and his last name I don't recall. It was a Russian soldier back many, many years ago. And when, in the days when, when they didn't have any toleration for Christians. And uh, they decided to punish Vanya. And they took him outside in Siberia in the middle of winter in a summer uniform. And he stood outside 
He should have died within a couple hours. He stood outside and sang hymns to God, never felt the slightest bit cold, and after he did that all night long, they got tired of listening to him sing and let him come back inside. He was like, well, you know, I'm just going to sing to God, and uh, they can do whatever they want. See, see, that's putting your expectations in knowing him and putting your expectations in his power and walking life out. All right? Now, I don't think that's going to happen to you. I'm, I'm not saying that it should or could. I'm just saying that, that the point is, is that we need to keep our minds focused on him. But some people back off. They're like, well, I don't know what to do, and, and I don't know how to act. And Jesus knew that could happen. So in Matthew, I think I'm still in 24, at the end of the, uh, the chapter, um, in verse 46, he said, Blessed is the slave or servant whom his master finds doing so, meaning staying with him, staying on track, keeping his hand to the plow, keeping his hand doing things, doing so when he comes back, when Jesus comes back. Truly I say to you, he will put him in charge of his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour that he does not know. See, he wants us ready. He wants us prepared. He wants us knowing and expecting that he's going to be coming back. Amen? Amen. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> this is a passage. I'm going to get to something a little more positive here in a minute, so just hang with me. All right? Don't, don't quit listening yet. Okay? Just hang. All right? 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Paul's telling Timothy what it's going to look like in the last days. He says, but realize in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self. What are we supposed to do about that? You know what? I love you, you selfish thing. You know? Okay? Hello. Lovers of money, you poor, pitiful, unfocused, don't realize what's really important person. I love you too. Boastful, arrogant, revilers. That means they just talk evil of everybody. Do you know anybody like that? Yes. I think we all know people. That's all they do. All right? Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. You know, we, all these things, right? All these things are what people do if they don't know God. And the opposite of that is true if we do know God. All right? Instead of being lovers of, of ourselves, we love other people. Amen? We love God. And, and, you know, but my, my friend, you know, when I, I had a friend in college, uh, his name was John, and uh, if ever, you know, people start complaining about how people were acting at their jobs or how other students were acting or who was, you know, how politicians were acting, and John would go, what'd you expect? Did you expect them to act like a bunch of Christians? Well, yeah, we did, and that's foolish. It's not intelligent of us to expect somebody who doesn't know God to act like they know God. Isn't that true? All right. But you know what? The people around us are deceived. And, and until they get to know God, turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Until they get to know God, they're, they're not going to act intelligently. All right? 
I should have had you hold your finger in 2 Timothy because we're going to go back there again. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is a familiar passage, you know, because it says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. We're not going to actually read that verse, but it's there. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we, were, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. You know, if you look at a worldly person as just a bad person or an evil person or a troublesome person or a person we don't like how they're acting and we're just frustrated with them and our expectation is that they're going to act like a Christian, we're just going to be frustrated with them, right? But, but Paul wrote here, we don't regard anybody from a worldly point of view anymore. That's awesome. That's amazing. But look what he says here. Look at verse uh, 18. All this is from God who reconciled himself to us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Are you? And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as through Christ we are making his appeal through us, as though Christ were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, if, 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 if Jake and Alicia were not speaking to each other, they were mad at each other, and I came along and said, okay, look, you got to look at this differently, and you got to look at this differently. Let's get you guys reconciled so that you guys are at peace, and you guys are doing that. That is what God wants you to do for him. You know, if, uh, if, if we have God here and you here, it's like, okay, God is not counting your sins against you anymore. No matter how you act, I'm not going to count your sins against you because when I look at you, what I'm going to see is a person who needs Jesus. And if, and, and if I don't regard you from a worldly point of view, now I, I went in, I, I told you I went into a, a certain, uh, uh, I went into a certain business this past week. And, and the two employees in that little business were, were dressed <clears throat> very interestingly. And it would be very, very difficult to not regard them from a worldly point of view. But, but you know what? That's not how God sees them. Do you understand that? When he looks at them, he sees two people that aren't saved, that don't know him, that need him, that are going to go to hell if, if he doesn't. If, if God isn't able to get a hold of their lives. And we are the ambassadors. God has sent us on a mission to talk to those people. Okay? Am I comfortable talking to those people? Probably not. Am I comfortable with the way they dress? Oh, Lord, I am not comfortable with that. But you know what? My job is to look all past that and not even notice that because, because they just need God. All right? You know, we had, a, we had a guy, I did nursing home ministry way back in mm, probably like 2005 and around there for a number of years I was doing nursing home ministry. And there was a, we had a guy in one of the places that I went to speak, if you'd mention the name of Jesus, he would literally get up out of his chair and come at you. He'd try to hurt you. He'd try to attack you. But you know what? I don't care. You know, I, no, I'm not going to let him hit me or kick me because that is exactly what he wanted to do. But you know what? I'm Christ's ambassador. You know, he didn't want to hear it. That's fine. But I'm, that doesn't mean I'm not going to say it. You know, we invited him to church. 
I just, he, he didn't usually try to hit you if you just invited him to the church service. But, but if you pushed it past that, he'd come at you. Well, you know what? I don't care. That, that, that doesn't bother me. That, that isn't my problem. You understand that? I'm not, that's, that's not my job to fix him. My job is to, as an ambassador, is to relay the message from the one who's sent me to him and what he does with that is what he does with that. I don't have any control over that. Back to what I said earlier. I can control what I do. I have no control over what he does or anything, but I can speak the word. I can say to them. You know, sometimes God will just have you tell somebody, just tell them I love them, you know? You ever done that? They just start crying. Or maybe they just kind of go look at you funny. You don't know where they're at. It doesn't matter where they're at with you. It's not your job to fix them, okay? You can't save them. You couldn't save anybody. But you could tell them what God tells you to say and be his ambassador. And, and you know, but we have to let go of our expectations. We have to, you know, I, I remember when I was growing up during the hippie movement, right? You know, people, you know, if they saw somebody who was dressed differently than that, you know, these guys with, you know, that back then that was unusual for a guy to have long hair. Nowadays it's not unusual, but back then that was like, mm. and people would be like, instead of going to them, they'd run from them. Well, I, you know, I don't care how they're dressed. I don't care what they say. Now, I'm not telling you to put yourself in danger, you know, unless God tells you to. You understand that, right? But what I am saying is that, that, that if we look at them the way God looks at them, then we're going to do what God told us to do. We're going to be an ambassador. Amen. What did Jesus say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? So, so as we do that, now, you know... Uh, Jake and Alicia are the youth leaders here, all right? That's their field. That's their job. That's their building that they're working on, right? That doesn't mean that, that they're also supposed to, you know, be in charge of 16 other areas at the church. You understand that? You know, God, he, he doesn't overwhelm us. You know, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Remember, we read that early on. But we have to learn from him, all right? How many of you have ever gotten in over your head, overwhelmed, too much going on, too much to do? We all have. All right? But Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Do we believe that? So if we believe that, then we have to go, okay, wait a minute. What am I doing that I'm not supposed to be doing? Or am I just totally on the wrong track? i got to reevaluate this and figure this out. All right? Because, because you're his ambassador. He has you in a place, or his plan for you, let me say it this way. His plan for you is to be in a place where you're going to be the most effective. Okay, but until you get to know him and his power, you're not going to be effective. Okay, you know, back to uh, but what I said out of Acts. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses here, there, here, there, etc. You know, but 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 it starts with receiving it and then walking in it. Amen, amen. You know, when when uh, I I think it's so interesting. You know. When Paul, it's in Acts 27, you don't have to, you don't have to turn there, but in, in Acts 27, Paul, Paul was arrested, or not, yeah, he was arrested, and then he appealed to Caesar, so now he's on a, a ship going to Rome, and, and he felt, the Bible tells us, in his heart, he knew that the ship would be in trouble if it left the harbor, and he told them, 
He said, we should not go anywhere. We're going to encounter trouble. But they left anyway. Who's this prisoner to tell us what to do? I'll tell you who he is. He's somebody who knows God, whose priority is to know God. And, and so Paul, you know, as soon as they took off, the Bible tells us that, that uh, they were basically caught in a hurricane. And now it's days and days later. The winds are still blowing. They, everything is falling apart. And the Bible tells us, now look at this, it, or listen to this. I didn't tell you to go there. But, but it says this in verse 20, that all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. All hope of our, Paul included, being saved was gradually abandoned. Their expectation was they were not going to survive this. All right? And then Paul had an experience. He said in the morning, on a given morning, I think 12 or 14 days in, I forget now, he said, for this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me saying, do not be afraid, Paul, you must stand before Caesar. Well, now he has faith, right? He has the word of God and he has something to put his faith on. All right, before that, they'd pretty much given up hope. But here's what Paul said. The God to whom I belong and whom I serve. You know what? That's a foundation and a rock for your life. The God to whom I belong and the God whom I serve, no matter what else is going on, no matter what else anybody says, we're going to stick with that. I belong to him and I'm going to serve him. He wants me to be his ambassador. I'm going to be his ambassador. I'm going to go there with knowledge of God and I'm going to go there with the power of God. And I'm going to do whatever I have, you know, whatever I can. You know, the, 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 the servants of the master that he gave the talents to, they all had ability and resources. You know, God has given you ability and resources. So it's absolutely no different for you than it was for them. Are we going to use those abilities? Are we going to use those resources? See... And that doesn't necessarily look like what we think. You know, Jesus, interestingly, by the way, in Matthew 25, so Jesus is still, the disciples had asked him, you know, about the end times. Jesus, talking about the end times still, said this in Matthew 25, starting with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, so when Jesus comes back, and the holy angels with him, he will sit on a throne of glory, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, 
as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You have ability. You have resources. You have his word so that you can get to know him and know what truly to expect and to believe in this life, to know what this life is going to look like, know how to function, how to be strong, because that's what he wants from you. What, are, what should our expectations be? I'm just going to go through this fast. Psalm, 20, Psalm 37, trust in the Lord, do good. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's what you should expect. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will do it, or he will bring it to pass. What Bring what to pass, whatever you need. That should be our expectation, amen? Because that's who God is. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You want to abide in the shadow of the Almighty? Do you want to be protected? Psalm 91, amen? Amen. What else should we expect? Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, this will you reap. We should expect that. You want to sow something good? You want to sow into the kingdom of God? You want to sow time into a prisoner or time into somebody who's hungry? Then, then you're going to sow that and you're going to reap blessing. Do you believe what the word says? Yeah, I know you do. You're here. Amen. I know you believe it. Amen. Okay, a couple more and then we're going to stop. All right. Mark 8, 16, verse 17. These signs will accompany those who have Believed. How many of you believe? How many of you are not sure? Okay, good. All right. All right. Stay with me. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You see that? We line up our expectations to what God said. God's going to meet us right there. You understand that? That's where he meets you, right there, head on, okay? Last one. Psalm 48. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains should slip into the heart of the sea. Guys, you know what? No matter what happens, no matter what this world brings us, no matter what people bring us, no matter what people do, God is with us. Jesus Christ is our foundation. He is our strength and our hope, and he is the one that we can completely trust. And he has said to you and me, go, you're my ambassadors. Tell those people that don't know me, and there's lots of them out there. Tell those people that don't know me who I am and what I'm like, because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. You know what? And I want to walk in such a way so that if they've seen me, they've seen the Father. I'm not there yet. Not 100%. But you know what? God's with us, and he's trying to get us there, and he's trying to grow us up. Amen? We just have to cooperate with him, spend time with him, get to know him. Jesus said, and remember, learn of me. Come to me and learn of me. Amen?